Welcome to the Beantown Podcast for uh, February 23rd, Saturday, 2019. What's going on? Quinn David Furness here, host and creator of the Beantown Podcast, now featured on BeantownPodcast.com. This is the Beantown Podcast, the people's podcast, one of Baltimore City's top 500 podcasts. What's going on? How are you? What's happening? Coming to you somewhat live from 817 St. Paul Street. It's our Oscars special. The Oscars are tomorrow night, ABC. Uh, been doing this for a couple of years now where I, I get into the Oscars, watch all the best pictures, and then the last uh, two years or so I really ramped it up and just trying to see as many movies as possible. But we're really excited to be doing this. Uh, before we get to our guest here, listener discretion is advised when you're listening to the Beantown Podcast. Number one, we'll occasionally use some um, objectifiable language. And number two, this podcast is objectionably terrible. So, as we did last year, we are going to be joined by a special guest and a dear friend of the podcast for our Oscars predictions. He is movie extraordinaire, the man, the myth, the legend the co-host of the Car Ride Convos podcast and the co-creator of Reek Entertainment. Go find him on YouTube. It's the one with more subscribers now. Ryan Ligon, what's going on? Welcome to the podcast. What's up, Quinn David Furness? Thanks for having me back on the show. This is my third appearance, I believe, on yeah, the show. Right. And I'm really getting the vibes. Like, you know how John Mulaney is always on Seth Meyers all the time? I think I'm the John Mulaney of your show, I think. I like that. You're going to have to wrestle with uh, my brother Jack for that title, but... Oh, um, I forgot. So I'm more like, I guess guess I'm the Nick Kroll then. Maybe like a Fred Armisen, the guy who's just always there. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Ryan, who are you wearing tonight? Uh, I, (laughs) I am, I kid you not, I am wearing a... Bud Light shirt that says Dilly Dilly on it, um, unironically. So, <laughs> yeah, this is rock bottom. Did you uh, go to Talladega last year to get that, or where did you acquire such a shirt? You know, I'm not even that cool. I'm not even that cool. I think I bought it in Old Navy, and I was like, you know what? This will always be funny. And here we are. <laughs> Listeners are just laughing, I'm sure, right now. Laughing and oh, loving. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, so last year we did our Oscars uh, nomination special year one. I, I promised on previous podcasts I was going to go back and listen to it to uh, see how we did. Life happens, didn't end up getting there, so I'm just going to assume we both basically aced all 24 categories. And it's looking like we're going to do the same thing again this year. So you all know how this works. We don't take shortcuts on the Beantown Podcast, we are going to go through every single one of these GD categories, and Ryan and I are both going to make picks. I promise we are uh, we're not going to dilly dally on these categories that no one really knows anything about, nor Ryan and I are educated about. And that's not to diminish from these uh, <clears throat> these movies. That's just kind of how life goes. So we are going to go ahead. Um, 
We did a little bit of different order last year, so we're going to try something new this year. Instead of just kind of going through all the, the random ones first and then getting to the heavy hitters, we're going to kind of mix it up. Um, we're still going to save acting and best picture for last, so you can jump towards the end if you'd really like to hear our predictions for those. But we are going to get started with some, uh, some big categories here. We're going to start with writing original screenplay. So this is original screenplay. The five nominees are the favorite... First Reformed, Green Book, Roma, and Vice. And these are all five movies that are very uh, well-regarded, received pretty good reviews across the board. Um, First Reformed is really the only one in here that's not really kind of an Oscar darling. This year didn't get very many nominations, which is a shame because First Reformed was on my list of favorite movies um, this year. And Ethan Hawke not getting a nomination for First Reform is an absolute travesty of justice. Uh, but, Ryan, when we're talking about original screenplay, what's standing out to you? So, I mean, I'm definitely with you. I really want to pick First Reformed. I really enjoyed the movie. I'm not even an Ethan Hawke fan. I kind of think that guy blows the majority of the time. And he was great in that movie. But I honestly think that the favorite is going to win um, because, like you said, it is quite a quite a darling. So, um, and I can't. I don't think it's going to win very much that night. So I think they're gonna they're gonna send this one home with uh, with an award. I, I'm with you. So I was doing a little bit of research um, before this, and just you know trying to get an idea of okay, what films do I think are gonna do very well? What films might get snubbed and might only grab one? And the favorite was kind of one of those that I I don't know just the way it. It's feeling to me right now kind of feels like it might only pick up one or two, even though it's nominated, I think, for 10, which is tied with Roma for the most. I, I'm pretty split here between the favorite and Green Book, uh, but what's going to tip the scales for me is Green Book has got so much negative press, uh, press excuse me, surrounding sort of not only the story but just the creation of it, and I think that could bode well for the favorite in this category. So I'm with you. I'm going to go with the favorite. Like a lot of what we're about to do, I don't really feel confident or great about that, but I do think it's going to be either the favorite or green book, and my gut's telling me to go with the favorite right now. Um, let's go ahead and go where you would expect us to go next. So the other writing category is for adapted screenplay. This is another tough one. Uh, we're dealing with Ballad of Buster Scruggs, can You Ever Forgive Me, A Star is Born, Black Klansman, and If Beale Street Could Talk. Uh, so Beale Street, another movie that I, I don't want to say it was snubbed because it did get multiple nominations, but Beale Street not getting nominated for Best Picture, especially when uh, they have 10, spots, 10 nominations available and they only used eight. To not use one on Beale Street to me is a little... Strange, I guess is what I'll say, but writing adapted screenplay, Ryan, how are you feeling here? This one, um, again, I feel like we're in the same train of thought. And I actually, I've seen all these except for Can You Ever Forgive Me? I don't know where you can even see that movie at all. I have no, I think I saw a trailer for it maybe, because that's the one with, um, oh, I don't remember her name, but Melissa she's McCarthy. in, uh, I'm sorry? Melissa McCarthy. Yes, exactly. Yes, her. Um, but man, I I saw this movie. I really like it, and I don't think it's going to get a lot of uh, other awards. But um, Black Klansman, I think, is going is going to win. And I think 
It's it's either that or Beale, if Beale Street can talk. It's one. It's got to be one of those two. Got to be. We are uh, so far in the exact same train of thought. I would like to see um, Beale Street get this because I don't think it's going to do much else. Uh, but I agree. I think Black Klansman was a really interesting story. Uh, it was very well written. It's just a great film in general. I'm going to also go with Black Klansman here. I'm really kind of under the table rooting for Beale Street, though. Um, I'll root for anything James Baldwin-wise. Uh, He's a fantastic American author. Unfortunately, I feel like a lot of his stuff, particularly in like the high school system, is never going to get read because so much of it deals with gay culture, um, racism, homophobia in like the 60s and 70s. And it feels like... At least in my experience, most American literature classes are focusing on, like, you know, 18th century, 19th century, and then occasionally getting into some early 20th century books. But James Baldwin is, I don't know, to me, like, super relevant to a lot of what high schoolers experience, especially if you're a a student of color or an LGBTQ student. Um, So, I don't know, any exposure that his stuff can get. Uh, I'm always a fan of. Have you ever uh, read any James Baldwin books, Ryan? No. Uh, list them off for me. Like, list them off his uh, greatest hits. Uh, so he's got he's got this one, um, "The Fire Next Time," "Go Tell It on the Mountain." Um, I read this one. I read one this summer called "Giovanni's Room," uh, which I think is a good starter um, for James Baldwin one because it's pretty easy to digest and it deals with a lot of the. Um, the primary themes that he deals with, but it's also pretty short. I think it's only about 130 pages, so you can move through it. I think I read it in a day. Um, oh. but, but James Baldwin is just great. His, uh, his works center around um, Harlem in like the 1960s uh, and 70s, so right around the civil rights movement. Uh, but a lot, of, a lot of the stuff, if you saw Beale Street, a lot of what he deals with there is similar to sort of the larger themes that he touches on in his books, but he was also um, a gay black uh, writer, so a lot of those themes are coming out as well. Hang on a sec. We're getting a FaceTime call, which we got to decline. Wow, this is live air. you got to love it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're ever, I don't know, I, obviously free time, spare time is tough to come by for anyone, but um, just something like Giovanni's Room is a good kind of, starter but some of his his best are usually considered to be um the fire next time which is a collection of essays i believe uh and go tell it on the mountain so he's a he's a really good guy to you know read one of his works and if you like it then the rest of his works are similar to um to that so when you get the chance he's one of my favorites yeah yeah i'll have to i'll have to do that i i have an ever expanding rating list i like uh like throwing all sorts of stuff in there so he'll definitely he'll definitely make it yeah, he has my highest recommendation. So, um, Okay, let's get into some categories. If you thought that we didn't feel very confident in those two categories, you're going to love about the next 10 or so. Uh, so we're going to get started with visual effects, which is a category I, I don't remember specifically. I'm pretty confident that I did not get this one right uh, last year. Our five nominees are Avengers Infinity War, First Man, Solo, A Star Wars Story, uh, Christopher Robin, and Ready Player One. For the sake of time, I don't really have any discussion here. I mean, I could talk about all five of these movies, uh, but I don't, I don't really have much to go off of here, Ryan. What are you feeling? I, I, 
would just assume just Avengers Infinity War. I mean, I like you, I could probably talk about these, how like three or four of these movies totally sucked, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know, Ready Player One just like is a tough thing to adapt in general. Um, Christopher Robin, pretty standard Disney, although I do like Ewan McGregor. Solo, I have mixed feelings on. I don't think I hate it quite as much as other people. That's because I am reserving most of my hate for uh, The Last Jedi. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to – I don't think this is a dark horse, but I'm going to kind of go back to what we were, we were talking about with um, First Reformed earlier, a movie that kind of got snubbed and don't think is going to do much elsewhere. I'm going to go ahead and take First Man here, the uh, Damien Chazelle movie um, definitely did not reach its kind of lofty Oscars aspirations that it set out with. But I'll take uh, First Man for visual effects. I think that's half because I want it to win, but also half uh, just my, me being like anti-comic book movies. And not comic book movies, but just like the MCU. I can't keep track of all the stuff. I don't know. I'm sure Avengers Infinity War was great. I never saw it. So, I don't really have any yeah. thoughts about it. I'm with you, man. I am with you. These are tough categories, and they're going to go on for like the next six. So, Yeah. Um, so, this is interesting. So, we got our sound categories coming up here. There's two. There's sound mixing. There's sound editing. And I remember distinctly this time last year having a conversation with you about these categories and wasn't sure where they were similar, where they're different, if I should pick the same movie for these two if I should pick different ones I definitely went with the different ones um, and I got got it for one but missed it for the other one so Dunkirk last year won both of these awards and honestly I'm kind of just feeling like I'm going to trust that this year and I'm going to pick the same movie for both of these um, and so I'm going to take and I guess we'll read through the nominees but they are Let's see, not exactly the same. Okay, so they're close. But sound mixing is Black Panther, First Man, A Star is Born, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Roma. And sound editing is Black Panther, First Man, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Roma. And then the one difference is that sound editing has a quiet place, which might be its only nomination. And sound mixing has Roma. So I'm not the sound expert. Don't ask me. How these two categories are different, clearly they're not that different. Uh, I'm taking Bohemian Rhapsody for both of these. Nice. Very nice. Um, because of the fact that, again, like we talked about last year, I know nothing about these categories. And if I were to explain, I think I may even tried to explain them last year. And I remember listening back and I was like, I think I just explained them both in opposite terms and so I think I confuse a lot of people um, but I'm just going to throw it out there and just say Black Panther for sound mixing and A Quiet Place for sound editing Okay, you're pulling a Quinn, you're going in uh, two different directions here, I appreciate that Yeah hmm. Okay, we are about to reach sort of the bottom of the barrel here in regards to what uh, what movies we're discussing because I can confidently say in the next two categories I've seen one of the ten films um, so 
let's 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 move through these. We're going to start with short film live action. I don't know anything about these movies other than that the people I've talked to who have seen the live action shorts have just said that they're really depressing. So our five nominees are Detainment, Marguerite, Skin, uh, Mother, and I'm going to butcher butcher this French maybe, Fauve, Fauve, F-A-U-V-E. It looks like Favre, but with a different letter. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I was reading online before this trying to get any semblance of an idea. I'll take Marguerite. It, it's a gut thing. What are you feeling? I'm going to have to pick Detainment. I have not seen any of these films in this category. Uh, and, you know, it's my own fault. Are there any theaters by you that are playing the shorts right now? They actually don't. I mean, there's um, last year there is a theater in Cambridge that played all of the live action shorts but they did not play any of the animated shorts or the doc shorts. Um, and I think it's because the animated, I, don't, I can't speak for the documentary shorts. The animated shorts, as far as I know, are very accessible. Yep, I've heard that. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you can find the majority of them on uh, Vimeo and YouTube, but again, uh, I've only seen one of the animated ones, so that hasn't made it any better. So, yeah, I was uh, I was thinking about going to so my local kind of art slash indie theater does show the the shorts, both animated and um, live action, and I was thinking about going to see the animated ones last weekend because it lined up with my schedule better. And then I was reading online about how they're available. So I was like, uh, let me not spend my, you know, $12, which is terrible, but let me not spend my $12 to go see them. And then turns out a week has passed and I haven't seen any of the animated shorts. Uh, yeah. well, other than the one that's Pixar, which we're about to talk about now. So, uh, short film live action, Ryan's taking detainment. I am taking Marguerite, um, our confidence levels are at an all-time high. It's like going to ask a girl to high school prom or something. Uh, totally. Short film animated. Animal behavior, late afternoon, weekends, one small step, or bow. And bow is the uh, the Disney – it's Disney. It's not – oh, it's, it's both. Disney Pixar. That's how they get you. Um, I have seen that one. It's like the, the weird kind of creepy making a dumpling and he grows up and then he gets – I don't want to spoil it. Um, but I'll take Bao simply because it's the one I, I, I saw. And that's, that's a terrible way to pick, but I got to trust my gut. Yeah, I'm saying with you. It's the only one I've seen, so it's the one I'll pick. Okay. Uh, let's get into production design here, a category that I feel like – I want to be better in terms of my knowledge of, and I'm just not. Uh, so let's let's just talk about it here. Black Panther, First Man, Roma, The Favorite, or Mary Poppins Returns. I probably should have tried to do some research on this, um, but boy, I know what production design is. I get it, but in terms of differentiating these films, I don't actually feel that amazing um mary poppins returns i have not seen i have seen the other four um i'm gonna go ahead i'll, I'll take black panther 
for production design. Um, I don't know if that's the favorite or if that's a dark horse, no pun intended, but I will take Black Panther here. I am torn between the favorite and Mary Poppins Returns. And I want to pick the favorite, but at the same time, that kind of deviates from my previous pick where I'm like, oh, this is going to be the only one that the favorite wins tonight. So I guess I'll just just stick with the train of thought. I'm going to go with uh, Mary Poppins Returns. Did you get to see it? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it good? You know, I'm going to be for real. Like, it was nice. Like, it was a nice movie. But I didn't grow up watching Mary Poppins. Like, I was a kid. I, I grew up, the only thing that we had access to was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't one of those cool kids that watched Mary Poppins. So it was not a nostalgic trip for me at all. But I thought Emily Blunt did really good. And I, I thought her, you know... She, she was nice, and of course they had the little Hamilton flair going on and stuff like that. It was, it was not, it was fine. It was good. Um, yeah, I just I, the nostalgia is just not there for me, so that's hard for me to speak to it completely did, and with uh, confidence. Did they give Dick Van Dyke a cameo? Yeah, I think they did. Um, okay. I wasn't paying much attention, and uh, he was because I've seen him in something else. There's something else that I saw him in, and I was like, oh, he's still alive. Um, cause I think he was like on, on top of a table or something. He was like dancing. I don't know. I can't remember what exactly that was, but, um, I'm pretty sure he's in this movie. I, I would hope so. I haven't looked into that for myself, but considering that was one of his more iconic yeah. roles. I'm a terrible person to ask about that sort of thing because I was someone who I was talking with my wife about, uh, you know, Sorsha, uh, Ronan that, uh, yeah, you got to say it in I, an Irish accent, Sasha Ronan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was saying, I was talking about her, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, she started in Harry Potter. She's that uh, Luna Lovegood character. Ooh. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not the same girl, not the same girl at all. So I'm terrible with faces. So if I don't, if it's not an overt thing, I'm not, I'm not the person to ask. But I think he's in it, I'm pretty sure. It's similar but different. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, it could have been. It could have been any. It could have been like Craig Ferguson or something. And I'm like, oh, that's Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> Very similar, uh, just like forty years of age difference. But exactly. but I'm with you. Yeah, uh, I I think this next category, at least for me, is a no brainer. Uh, music, original song, all the stars from Black Panther, the place where lost things go from Mary Poppins Returns, when a cowboy trades his wings for spurs from Buster Scruggs. I'll Fight from RBG, or Shallow from A Star is Born. It's a no-brainer. It's going to be Shallow. Totally agree. Complete cultural phenomenon right now with that song. Um, and the movie it's based around isn't a terrible movie. Like, it's it's a it's a solid movie to watch. I mean, in my opinion, you know, very predictable and very... Um, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be, but that song is, is really good, so... Well, it's the fourth time they've made it, so you know if you were around for one of the first three, then you kind of get a sense of <laughs> where it's going. Um, yeah, exactly. Did you ever see Crazy Heart? No, uh, but I always is that. No, it's not directed by uh, Crazy Heart. Is that guy though? The uh, the uh, 
Rourke, um, Mickey Rourke, right? No, I like just sitting here and listening to you talk things through. Uh, Crazy Heart is Jeff Bridges. He won an Oscar for that. Oh, same guy. Mickey Rourke, Jeff Hartnett, whatever you call Josh Hartnett, uh, what? Just, <laughs> uh, Jeff Bridges. Okay, yeah, now I know what you're talking about. I get, I don't know why, but I'm like imagining the wrestler right now. I don't know why. The wrestler Crazy Heart, that I get them mixed up all the time. Yeah, I've never seen either, but I'm getting them mixed up currently right now. Well, they're both really good, but I, I like Crazy Heart. Um, it's a it's not similar in that they have the same storylines. They're just like both music um, movies, but Crazy Heart's really good. Jeff Bridges won Best Actor for it. This was probably about 10 years ago. Um, it's got really good music, too. It's Jeff Bridges and Maggie Gyllenhaal and Colin Farrell. Uh, nice. So just kind of a... I don't know. I watched it on a plane like four years ago. It was the first time I saw it, but solid film. If you were just looking for a film that's like going to be a good use of your two hours, then Crazy Heart's a, a good choice. Um, nice. Let's go ahead and get to makeup and hairstyling. Uh, so we've got Border, Vice, and Mary, Queen of Scots. Three nominees in this category for makeup and hairstyling. I feel like the Academy tends to reward the movies that really go all out um and i guess you could say that about mary queen of scots but i'm feeling more vice here simply because of you know all those characters that they portrayed are you know still people who are alive today i think the academy likes that and i also don't know anything about border i don't know what it's about so i'm going to take vice for makeup and hairstyling i'm going to ditto your choice as well uh, and I actually border. I'm gonna have to look into that. Oh, so obviously it looks like some sort of northern European, possibly German uh, guy. Goran Lundstrom was involved with it, so maybe Swedish. it might be like a German film or some sort of European film. Yeah, it's Swedish. Um, oh, Swedish. Okay, yeah. there you go. So, you know, close. Um, also, we uh, we missed the original score. We missed that category. We okay. skipped over it. Hang on. Unless yours is in a different order. It may have been a different order. It might be. Hang on. We're searching. Well, let's let's go ahead. We'll, we'll talk about that right now because that is actually one that I'm um, interested in discussing. So when we're talking about best original score, and you are right. I definitely skipped it. Thank you for grabbing that or else we'd be talking about best actor and I'd be like, what happened to the score? Uh, so, music original score. This one is very interesting. We have Black Panther. We have If Beale Street Could Talk. We have Mary Poppins Returns, Black Klansman, and Isle of Dogs. So, um, the first thing I want to say about this is, and I, I, I really would have to watch it again before I'm able to substantiate this opinion, but when I was watching Black Klansman, and I only saw it for the first time about a month ago, the score to me was actually something that stood out as something I really didn't like, which is... Dude, Do you right? feel the same? Yeah, right? I, 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 I don't know, like, if it was, like, the weird electric guitar or what was going on, but I was like, dude, this isn't... I don't know what type of score I'd be expecting, but I just felt like it, it wasn't working for me. It, it detracted from the film, uh, for me, at least. I completely agree, and that was something that I, Kristen and I watched it the other day, and I was like, what did you think about that score? And she, she uh, 
phrased it perfectly. She's like, I thought it was completely inappropriate. Like, it starts out with this sweeping shot over the, you know, Colorado mountains and stuff. And there's this weird drum beat that's just like really rocky and kind of like, it's, it's bizarre. Like it makes it, it's very, it's very weird. I can't even describe it. Like watch that movie and just like that, that score will blow you away how like offbeat and weird it is. Yeah. Maybe the Academy knows something that we don't, but I, I just really didn't get it. Um, I don't usually, scores are usually something that, you know, as much as I love music and I'm a background in music, they're not usually something I notice unless it's like a composer that I am actively interested in or looking forward to going into the movie. Um, Usually it's just like blends into the background, whatever, it's fine. But Black Klansman was just, it left a really bad taste in my mouth from a score perspective. So the opposite of that, for me, is Beale Street. So Nicholas Bertel uh, is a younger guy who hasn't done a lot, but he did the score for Moonlight, which is Barry Jenkins' other film. Um, and oh. I absolutely love that score, and I think it's no fantastic. No wonder I love this one so mm-hmm. much, because that other one is really good. Yeah, he's, it's, it's pretty simple, um, but it, it fits perfectly in that, I, I don't know, his, his music that he's created... Um, both Beale Street and Moonlight, they would be absolutely, in my opinion, not even close to what they turned into without those scores. Um, and so from what I've been reading online, it doesn't sound like Beale Street is the favorite here, but I I just got to go with what I want to see win here, and I got to take Beale Street because I loved that score too. Nice. Well, here are my thoughts kind of of condensed into a very small very small little sound bite here Black Panther's score is bad it's it's really bad um, Black Klansman we've covered that it's strangely abrasive I don't understand uh, why it was used in the way it is uh, if Beale Street could talk I really liked um, Isle of Dogs I did. This is the only movie I didn't see in this category. I didn't see that, which is surprising because it's a Wes Anderson movie. But I just never—it's one of those movies that kind of came out in the late summer, I believe, and I just kind of forgot about. Um, and then Mary Poppins Returns. It's great. It's nice. It's happy. Uh, but I can't imagine it winning in a world where we're detaining children at the border and separating them from their parents. So I'm going to have to go with the Beale Street Duck. Okay. Very good. Yeah, I it feels like a toss up to me, but it is interesting um that you know, I I so I saw Black Panther long enough ago that I I don't have the the same reaction, but I I would watch it again uh and and pay closer attention to that. But yeah, Black Klansman, uh you and I both on the same wavelength there. That was I don't know. I don't I don't get it straight up, but oh well. Let's see. Uh foreign language film. So this is this is an interesting one that seemed or seems on its face value surface level like an easy one to pick. But there, I was reading a couple things earlier today that might negate that. Uh, so foreign language film, we have five here. We have Capernaum, Never Look Away, Shoplifters, which I've heard is amazing, uh, Cold War, and Roma. I'm a little underprepared in this category. I've only seen Roma and Cold War um, Roma, we will talk about in depth in 
couple minutes here, I promise. Cold War, um, for those of you listening who I assume most of you probably haven't seen, Cold War is a Polish film, um, like a love story that takes place across like about 15 years, but it's really solid, and it's a really beautifully shot uh, film as well, and that's why it's nominated for cinematography. I was reading online that they might sneak Cold War in here because Roma is such a, a strong contender for Best Picture, but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play around here. I'm just gonna take Roma for uh, Best Foreign Language Film. Nice. Well, um, I've seen Roma. I've seen Cold War. I haven't seen any of the other ones, so when I watch those, I I just with foreign language, I couldn't help but like watch the two the two contenders, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think what's really weird about the Oscars is whoever, whoever wins this category between the two, it's going to be really telling how the night is going to go. Like if you're in Vegas that night, I guarantee you odds are going to swing really far one way or another. If Roma or cold war wins, it's going to be really telling about, you know, how things are going to go that night. But, um, We'll come back to Roma later, whenever we start talking Best Picture. But I'm gonna have to. I I liked Cold War better. Yeah, it was beautiful. They're uh, both really good films. Both pretty slow paced. So if you're looking to turn something online and be like completely 100 percent invested in something and have your attention captivated for two hours, then those aren't the movies for you. But hopefully, you know. For those of you listening out there and you do get the opportunity if you haven't seen either of these films yet and that's not to negate the other three and I've heard really good things about Shoplifters um, and Never Look Away I think is nominated for uh, Cinematography something like that, Caleb Deschanel um, and I don't know anything about Capernaum but these foreign language films are really strong, you just have to improve your 2019 social media attention span a little bit because you're going to be reading subtitles the whole time unless you speak these languages so exactly yeah um we're going to do a couple more here and then we're going to take an ad break and then we're going to get into some of these heavy hitters so another one kind of like production design where i wish i was just more educated or informed but we have film editing here uh and the five pictures we have are black klansmen the favorite, Vice, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Green Book. Editing is a thing where, again, I know what it is. I don't feel like I'm a great judge of it unless it's the type of movie where it's like really, they do something really blatant with it. So, for instance, a movie like the like Green Book or The Favorite. I would I, I would have to have somebody who really knows films come on here to like tell me why those movies are nominated because they're really good movies, but the editing to me just seemed like very standard. I don't know. Um, so I'll go with my gut here because I don't think this movie is going to get a ton else, um, although I've already picked it for one thing so far. I'll take Vice on film editing. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Um. I'm going to have to pick Black Klansman, and it's kind of hypocritical that I am picking Black Klansman because I pretty much just trashed the score of that film in the previous category, 
and the editing, just like the score, is really abrasive and odd, and there's some decisions made in the third act of the editing that are, I can really only say bizarre, because they just happen in the third act, and happen nowhere else throughout the movie, and I'm no genius, I don't know what's going on, but maybe Spike Lee is trying to say something, so I'm going to have to pick it. Maybe there's some sort of weird commentary on something that I don't know about. For whatever reason, he chose what he chose, and he did it, and I think it wasn't awful compared to the score. So I'm going to go with it. It was daring. It was different. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you said about Maybe Spike Lee's trying to say something, and maybe the same thing about the score. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, these are, you know, directors who this is what their whole life is based around, so it certainly would not be surprising if some of them are, you know, trying to not necessarily sneak things in, but just <clears throat> do things their own way without really explaining what it means to them. But I don't know, even for, and I, I consider myself a cut above, just like the casual movie watcher, but. I, I don't have yeah. any professional training um, in film analysis or anything like that, so yeah. I don't know. And Maybe you're so right. like to clarify that, like I don't want people to be like, "Oh, is he talking about like you know at the end where he cuts in the Char Charlottesville stuff or like the other visual things?" No, 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 no. Like I understand what he's trying to say there. Like I'm not, I'm not very surface level. There's some for some weird reason it happens with um, he does this weird stutter edit in the third act that I can't explain why it starts there, and it only happens three times. And I think it happens twice whenever someone's hanging up the phone. Like, it'll, you know, go from the close-up shot, and he's putting down the phone, the phone is in the thing, and then it's a wider shot, and then the guy's still putting down the phone. Like, it's like, it's this weird thing that happens, and I don't know why it's there. So I didn't want to get called out for being some person who's like, you didn't understand what he was saying about how, like, racism is bad no i understand that like i i totally get it it's the other weird stuff that's a little bit more uh, above my pay grade i have no idea what's going on you know yeah i'm with you i think you should do a, a 60 minute youtube video analysis of the <laughs> film editing in black clansman just throw yeah. something together yeah definitely uh, we have two documentary categories here and then we're going to take a break um so documentary short subject I'm going to go ahead and put myself out on a limb here and say despite what you've heard so far, this category is the one where I feel least informed because I these aren't even titles where I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I, I read something about that. I don't know anything about these. So we have Black Sheep, Lifeboat, Period, End of Sentence, Endgame, and A Night at the Garden. And I don't even remember like reading an article that made a pick here. So I can't even be, like, trying to pretend I know something when I've actually just been reading. I'll take Black Sheep because who doesn't like race and racism? I, I don't know. That's all I got. Uh, I, I agree. I have no idea. You know what? It actually, I'm, I'm looking at one of these titles, and it says one of them is on Netflix, and it came out in May. It's called Endgame. Mm -hmm. Oh, Endgame. It's, it's about... Uh, um, people choosing to end their lives early, I think, in, like, the United States and mm -hmm. other places. Uh, I should have seen that because I tried to, I have seen none of these at all. So I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pick one in the dark here and say period, end of sentence, 
I have no idea. It's I a very, totally very good choice. Uh, women's Reproductive Health documentary short. So Nice. Um, I have no idea. I assume it's not, but I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Documentary feature, something that is more, uh, I don't want to say more interesting, but something that I feel a little bit better prepared to talk about. Uh, so we have five nominees here. We have Free Solo, Minding the Gap, RBG, Hill County this morning, this evening, and of Fathers and Sons. And inextricably missing is Can You Be My Neighbor, the Fred Rogers totally documentary. I, I haven't read a single thing online that like explains it in a way that makes sense to me why this isn't included. I, I, do you have any insight? Dude, well, okay, so that movie and um, Peter Jackson did a movie where he restored a bunch of World War One footage, and I tried to see, like, uh, and I talked to one person, I was like, why did those two movies not get nominated? And someone's like, oh, well, uh, the Peter Jackson movie isn't a documentary. And I, I watched the trailer, and I'm like, it is a documentary. Like, it is quite literally, and it was, it came out in, it had a, a small release in, maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't, um, I know you have to register for the Oscars. Maybe they didn't, maybe they just didn't register. I, I have no idea why, but those are two heavy hitters that are just not here. And I don't want to, I don't want to hate on Ruth too much, but RBG is not that great of a movie. Like, I know that uh, there's a movie about her coming out with, um, why do I want to say her name's Valerie Jones? Her name's not Valerie Jones. Um, someone's playing her, and she's the girl from, um, uh, it's the, it's the other movie with Eddie Redmayne, and he plays Stephen Hawking. Oh, Josh Hartnett. Um, I'm sorry? Josh Hartnett. Yeah, Josh Hartnett. Definitely Josh Hartnett. Uh, no, it's the, it's the, the, the female that, that, that plays across from him. Anyways, she's playing a, um an adaption uh, of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's story. And I heard it's awesome. Like I heard it's awesome. So I'm sure, you know, that'll, that'll all pan out. But I watched this documentary. I was like, meh. I was like, how did, how did my man, Mr. Rogers, whatever happened to him? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I I don't get it. I'm not, I'm not really sure. That being said, we do have uh, some kind of heavy hitters here to play with. So, I, I do want to briefly, and I don't want to spend a ton of time because we're already 42 minutes in, but I do think we owe it to ourselves to mention Minding the Gap here. I am going to hope that you've seen it. Oh, of course. So for those of you who don't know, Minding the Gap is not explicitly about the city of Rockford, Illinois, but Rockford, Illinois is the backdrop. And I will say um, – not mixed feelings, but just in ter- in terms of like I feel good, but I feel bad about it. Just like a wave of emotions watching our hometown um, depicted in that way. Um, a really powerful film. If you just watch the trailer, you might think it's just about like skateboarding, um, and that might not be appealing to you. But skateboarding again is just kind of like Rockford, just kind of the backdrop, kind of the medium. It's really about things a lot deeper than that and for both of us being from rockford we get it more than just your average watcher but um really want anybody out there listening to this please watch 
minding the gap. It's not just about Rockford. It's about kind of Rust Belt, Midwest cities, um, and some of the <coughs> humanitarian issues that we're facing today. Uh, loved it. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I can't speak. It's just, it's one of the best things to ever come out of Rockford because of the fact that there's just this this current wave in Rockford that's that's very like uh, almost like industrialized hipster that's just kind of you know painting over things and putting on a happy face and being like look at Rockford now we've changed and I think that minding the gap is one of the most honest windows into what it is growing up in Rockford who you're surrounded by what it's like and the exact emotions you can feel while being there like I I I would go as far to say as as if you were to watch this movie and you have you're not even from the Midwest you'd know exactly what it's like to be there which is just I don't know it's it's a really it's a special movie I can't speak any higher than I already do I I'm so biased and Bing Lu and I went to the same uh, film school um, I didn't know him personally but I'm sure we brushed shoulders at some point because we were both, you know, renting the same equipment and in the same classes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, totally awesome that he was able to put together such a special movie. And he's got two more documentaries on the way, which is fantastic. I mean, more the more work for him, the better, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, really good. Really hard to watch um, and really hard to even talk about right now, but... Yeah, if you get the if you get the chances on Hulu, um, everyone needs to watch that movie. Um, in terms of picks, I don't know. From what I've been reading lately, it seems like Free Solo is kind of picking up some momentum. I haven't seen it, which is a shame. Um, I don't think Minding the Gap is really getting that kind of national level of attention. A lot of the um, the people I read seem to be saying, yes, this is the one that really should win, but nobody really seems to be giving it um, a fair shake. So I'm going to take Free Solo, although if Minding the Gap won, that would just be the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I've seen uh, Free Solo, Minding the Gap, and RBG. And, um, you know, I've already talked about didn't like RBG too much. Uh, Free Solo is really good, but... Who wants to give National Geographic an Oscar? Are you kidding me right now? Like, I, I get it. The dude free climbed over the side of a huge cliff. That's that's great, right? That's that's awesome. I, I want, I'm picking Minding the Gap, and I want Minding the Gap win. Yeah. I don't think they will. I think I'll probably shed at least one tear if it happens. I mean, that would be, that would be wild. I mean, just to have, like, a RVC film kid get invited to the Oscars is... Oh pretty yeah, shocking and pretty awesome, just mm-hmm. on its surface level. All right, well we've we've gone about halfway, probably a little over, which is good because we're forty five minutes in, and I always start thinking we're gonna go quicker, and then we never do. Um, but I think we've had good discussions so far, so let's uh, do some advertising, and then we're gonna jump right back in. Not gonna waste any time. Um, are you tired of selling your house for less than a quarter of what it's worth? all because you couldn't find a reliable home inspector in time. Well, Oregon listeners, there's good news. 
Home Pride Inspection Services in Bend, Oregon is Central Oregon's hottest new home inspection provider with inspection services including things like heating and cooling, roofing, plumbing, and so much more. Home Pride Oregon is both contractor certified and home inspection certified, so you know you're getting the good stuff. If you're tired of big real estate stranglehold on the home inspection market and you want a safe, certified home inspector you can trust, call Steve at 541-207-1101 or visit homeprideoregon.com. That's 541-207-1101 or visit homeprideoregon.com. Home Pride Oregon, inspection perfection. Want to give a shout out to the Samsung Q2U series pulling some double duty here tonight on our Oscars special. Uh, don't forget when God speaks, He uses a Samson. And I also want to uh, thank TV Guide. Thanks to my Spirit Delta Airline Sky Mile points, uh, we have our first copy of the TV Guide. Uh, as a reminder, I don't have a TV, but if I did, I would know what's on. So looking forward to that copy with Dan uh, Connor, played by John Goodman, on the cover. And it just says he's back when the Connors return to ABC at some point in the near future. So we are doing our 2019 Oscars prediction spectacular. As we were last year, joined by special guest, co-host of the Car Raid Convos podcast and creator of Reek Entertainment, Ryan Ligon out there in Quincy, Mass. What's going on, Ryan? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. I think we're doing a solid job so far. Do you have any categories you want to go back to and uh, change your picks, or are you feeling good with what you've done so far? Man, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling confident, and I'm, I'm just ready to roll. All right, that makes one of us. Very good. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Very interesting category and something... Um, well, there's there's the front runner, but there's still some discussion to be had. Directing, best director, we have Spike Lee for Black Klansman, who somehow, and I didn't know this until you know two months ago when they came out with the nominations, but somehow this is Spike's first nomination, which is crazy. Uh, the favorite, Yorgos Lanthimos, a director who I was introduced to in a film class in college. If you think the favorite is kind of weird. Don't go watch Dogtooth or The Lobster because those movies are going to give you nightmares. Uh, Adam McKay, Vice, of course, uh, what Adam McKay's stepbrothers, and then The Big Short, very similar uh, like production to Vice. Um, Pawlowski, the uh, surprise of the year, getting nominated for Cold War, which is great because uh, Cold War is a fantastic movie. We've talked about it already. Any uh, more exposure it can get, that's great to me. And then the front runner, Alfonso Cuaron, directing Roma. You might know him from Gravity. Um, he's the front runner. I would like to see Spike get it, um, although this isn't my favorite Spike Lee film across the board. It would be nice to see him get it. Um, I think Yorgos Lanthimos is a true dark horse. I don't think he's going to get it, but I wouldn't mind that because it's crazy as he is he's a very creative guy kind of like um uh Guillermo del Toro in terms of just like some of his stuff is out there and some of it I'm with some of it I'm not but I think Alfonso Cuaron's gonna win uh in the directing category this year uh 
I I'm gonna I'm gonna ditto that as well. I think that um, I think a good rule of thumb with the Oscars is that your best director category is typically um, has a strong relationship with best picture. So uh, Roma is gonna be my pick here. Uh, still at this moment, actually, to be completely transparent, I'm not exactly sure who I'm gonna be picking as. Uh, Best picture, but I think this is going to really affect my decision. So. I like that. It's live air. Yeah. Yeah. I think I read, and don't quote me on this, but I think Pavel Palatowski, however you say it, pa- Pavel Pavelkovsky, excuse me, I think he's only the second director in history to be nominated for best director without his movie being nominated for best picture. So that's just kind of a neat little thing. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's. Uh, as much as I liked uh, Cold War, I obviously I would have loved to see something like Paul Schrader uh, get nominated for First Reformed or even Deborah Granick get nominated for Leave No Trace. But I, I don't think any one of those could win uh, because this is, seems to be Alfonso Cuarón's year. Um, yeah, you just reminded me. I, I watched Leave No Trace this year. I, I like that movie. I don't know. I'm surprised there's not a single category. I mean, obviously there are always snubs. Looking at you, eighth grade, and uh, obviously leave no trace. But I watched that on a plane, and I really liked that movie. It's so good. I've seen it a couple times. Um, I'm a big Ben Foster fan, and I find that most of my acquaintances don't even know who he is. Uh, but Ben mm-hmm. Foster was really good in um, uh, what was the what was the Western movie? What was that called? Hell uh, um. or High Water. Yes, he was really yeah. good in that, um, and just the acting in general. Thompson McKenzie was so good, and it's interesting to me that Winter's Bone was uh, so Deborah Granick's first movie, and this is her second movie. But Winter's Bone came out what like eight years ago, something like that, and it received yeah. a decent amount of just overall attention and obviously Oscar stuff. Leave No Trace was just such a small thing, but such a powerful. Um, story that I, it's really a shame to me that it didn't get any attention uh, yeah, this Oscar exactly. season. Yeah. Really sad. Uh, if you're looking for the uplifting story of the year, do not watch Leave No Trace. But it's also really interesting to me because it takes place in Oregon uh, and just being more familiar with that place myself. And I, I read the book, actually, after I uh, watched the movie this past spring. I, I went online and bought the book. It's a pretty simple thing. It's like most adaptations, similar but different uh, to the movie. Uh, but yeah, I, did the same? Did the same guy who write Winner's Bone? Did he? Did he write that that one too? That's a great question. I'm not sure, and I will look this up right now. I'm not sure who wrote Leave No Trace. Um, I know the the author. So the author of the book, uh, Peter Rook, is a professor at Reed College in Portland. Uh, but he, oh, no, I don't think no. he wrote the. The other the guy. Play. The other guy lives in Missouri. He's okay. um, he lives in some weird back backwoods part of Missouri. Well, that would make sense considering yep. Winner's Bone. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they both have Dale Dickey, who is just like the creepiest looking actress in Hollywood. Hollywood, yep. excuse me, but she plays her role perfectly. So. No, she was, no joke. She was she was good in uh, Leave No Trace as well. Limited screen time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do costume design here. One that I feel pretty confident in. So we got Ballad of Buster Scruggs, 
the favorite Mary Queen of Scots, Black Panther, and Mary Poppins Returns. Um, these were all solid, um, although I, I haven't seen Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, but I'm going to take the favorite. It was just so elaborate, so extravagant. Um, it seems like something that, that's going to win. I don't know. That statement doesn't really make sense. But I'm taking the favorite here. No, um, I'm, I'm with you there, except for I'm actually going to pick an upset here. Uh, for my own reasons, but I think the the favorite's funny because it's just it's comically elaborate. I mean, obviously it's a very funny movie, so it makes sense and stuff. But um, I I thought it was just just completely enjoyable. But I'm actually gonna pick Black Panther, and I'm sure I'll I'll bite my words later. This is not an endorsement of the film, but I think it has to walk away with something. You know, it can't. That's that's got to be right. I don't know. We'll see. That's got to be. I like your uh, I like your strategy here. It's got to win like, something. Yeah, I mean, don't you don't you gotta don't you gotta give someone a participation trophy somewhere in here? I mean, gotta be right. I mean, they were the Oscars were ballsy enough to nominate Black Panther for Best Picture. <laughs> I mean, you gotta give them something. I I don't know. We could spend an hour and 20 minute long podcast at why Black Panther is in the best picture category. Um, and there's a couple others in there that I just think are completely bizarre. Uh, but maybe we'll come back around to that. I don't know. We're, but we're, Black definitely, Panther, we're definitely going to come back around to that. Yeah. Black Panther's got to win. Got to win something because you don't – you have to as – the, as the Academy, you have to double down and just be like, they are here for a reason because they're not going to win best pictures. There's no, I mean, I'm sure there's some guy who just put like a thousand dollars on that in Vegas. And if it does happen, he's going to, he's going to be able to buy like the biggest skyscraper in Cincinnati. But you know, it is what it is. Fair enough. I don't, does Cincinnati have skyscrapers? I've I don't think been. so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, never been to Cincinnati. Maybe someday. It's not a, it's not that big of a city, but I'm surprised they haven't sent you to Cincinnati. Well, you know, as part of my work territory, I have Kentucky, um, and there are actually Cincinnati does have suburbs on the Kentucky side, but I've never gone because mm-hmm. it, it's you know it's like a two to three hour drive from Lexington and Louisville, so it's just far enough away where I'm like, eh, I don't want to go all the way up there because then once you're there, it's like. There's nothing else really going on. The Ohio River Valley is pretty, but in terms of like actual people, um, yeah. there aren't very many people there. So I mean, who wants to even be there anyway? The best thing there is the Bengals, and they're pretty much only good for eight and eight seasons. So Did uh, Marvin Lewis finally quit or get fired? Yeah, no, I think, I think the word is he was let go. I don't, think, I don't even think there was a – because last year it was, a, oh, I think I'm going to step down. And he didn't. And I think this year they were like, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, they were about five to ten years too late. But at least they finally did. You know, yeah. Kind of reminds me of the couple in uh, <clears throat> Minding the Gap who just, they keep staying together. And you're just like, what's the deal here? But Yeah. You know, building connections. That's what the Oscars show is all about. That's what this is all about, man. This is what this is all about. This is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Well, we are getting dangerously close. It's getting hot in here to some of the 
biggest categories of the night. We've got two more, two big ones, uh, before we get to the uh, the very large fish that we have to fry. So let's start with cinematography. We have Cold War. We have Never Look Away, the Caleb Deschanel movie, famous dad to Zoe and the other one. Uh, we have A Star is Born. We have The Favorite, and we have Roma. And I, I got to go with my gut here. I liked this cinematography so much. I'm taking Roma here. Nice. Um, I agree, and I am I'm, I'm with you on the Roma pick. But uh, to note, I was weirded out at how good, how much I really liked the cinematography of A Star is Born. Uh, and also like to throw a little bit of a shout out here for Caleb Deschanel, who was a cinematographer on one of my favorite movies of all time, The Last Temptation of Christ. Now that's a throwback. Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Willem Dafoe. Great YouTube video where he breaks down his uh, his career just came out last week. Very fascinating. I think it's GQ. like 30 minutes long. Really I, good. I watched it. I loved it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So you're taking uh, Stars Born? No, I'm taking Roma. Sorry, I went on, on a tangent, but I'm I'm with you on the whole Roma thing. It was it's very good. And actually, I maybe he does this normally, but uh, Alfonso Cuarón did his own cinematography. Yeah. That's kind of neat. It's very neat. Yeah, I don't I don't know much about directors doing their own cin- cinematography, but yeah, that's pretty cool. I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it happens from time to time. Um, yeah, so. You haven't seen Never Look Away, have you? I have not. I've I've seen so my my uh, art theater shows a trailer for it every time I go, uh, and it looks solid. I think it's a World War II movie, but um, yeah, haven't gotten the chance to see it yet. Um, I just I had never heard of Caleb Deschanel until it got nominated, and then I read about him and realize mm-hmm. it's a it's a family thing. So yeah, interesting. Okay, one to go here, and then we're getting down to, what, our final six categories. We're doing our best with time here. So animated feature film. We have The Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs. We have, what is this called? Mirai, is that what it's called? It's like not getting yeah. any regular titles. It's strange. Um, we have Ralph Breaks the Internet, Ralph 2. Uh, and then we have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So... I've seen Incredibles 2, I've seen Isle of Dogs, I've seen Spider-Man, I haven't seen the other two. Everybody seems to be saying it's going to be Spider-Man, um, and I liked it, so I'm just going to trust them, and I'll say Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I've only seen, because I'm an absolute weeb, I've seen uh, Mirai, which was really good, um, and I have not seen Ralph Breaks the Internet, and I've said before, I have not seen Isle of Dogs, and I have not seen Incredibles 2. Um, but I have seen Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse, and I am not a superhero. I'm not one of the, I'm not super, yeah, of course I'm not a superhero, but I'm not, you know, one of those superhero fanboys, and I honestly believe that this is the best movie I've seen all year. That's high praise. That's what I was about to say. I was like, that's the highest praise you can get from a non-comic book sort of, I mean, I don't know, you ha- they had me at the frame rate. The fr- it's like three frames per hour and a half, and it's like it's 
awesome. I don't know why I like that aesthetic so much, but it just, it worked for me. It did well. I think it, it's not perfect. There are some mistakes in the movie, but there's mistakes in every single movie. But it's so, it's such a compelling story, and I have not, I have not walked out of a movie feeling so great in a very long time. So, such a great feeling. All right, that's a that's a social on animated feature, Spider-Man uh-huh. into the Spider-Verse. Okay, we are down to acting and direct. Oh, we already did directing, didn't we? We're down to acting and we're down to best picture. So yep. let's go ahead. Let's jump in. I think so. I don't know how you're feeling. We're about to find out, but there's four acting categories. Usually, I feel like. At minimum, two of them seem like they're wrapped up. I know last year it was it was three because uh, it was what Sam Rockwell was pretty much a runaway, Gary Oldman was a runaway, and Allison Janney was a runaway. Uh, this year, I feel like one is maybe locked up, and the other ones I have no idea. So let's start uh, let's start there with actress in a supporting role. Um, we have Amy Adams in Vice playing uh, Mrs. Cheney. We have Regina King in If Beale Street Could Talk. We have Rachel... I don't know how to say it. Is it Vice? Weiss? I'm gonna I think s- Rachel Weiss. Weiss or Vice? Not sure. From The Favorite. We also have Emma Stone from The Favorite. And we have Marina de Tavera from Roma. Apologies for butchering the pronunciation. It seems like everything I've read is leaning towards Regina King... Um, I've seen all five of these movies and I, I went into Beale street knowing that there was all this hype surrounding her performance. And I thought she was, she was really good. I didn't feel like she was like the best supporting actress that I've seen all year, but in this category specifically, um, and who the other nominees are as much as I do have a, uh, fanboy crush on Rachel Weiss or vice, I, she's not winning the Oscar for this. I think it's going to be Regina King. Yeah, I um, I agree um, with Regina King, and I'm going to pick Regina King as well. And honestly, I actually feel like I I feel like all four of these categories are a wrap completely. But they're not runaways like last year. Last that that's why I mean the confidence is not there. But I feel like. There's one pick that I think they might pick that I will, I will disown the Academy forever if they pick one of them. But I, I pretty sure, pretty sure they're gonna they're gonna go this route, and it is a wrap. But it's just not. I mean, last year, just you reminded me of that. Those people were those those uh, nominees were leaps and bounds ahead of any other nominee. So. Yep. This year's not like that, but it's pretty close. I think I think it's a good wrap. All right, very good. I am interested to see uh, what you have to say about this one. So we're going to do Best Supporting Actor. We have Mahershala Ali in Green Book, who just won two years ago for Moonlight. We have Sam Elliott finally getting an Oscar nomination for A Star is Born. We have Adam Driver in Black Klansman. Uh, we have Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? And then... God help me, we have Sam Rockwell in Vice. This is really tough for me to take this stance because I loved 
it so much when Sam Rockwell won an Oscar last year because up to that point, I felt like he had been such an overlooked actor. And then this year, the pendulum has swung 180 degrees. I still love Sam Rockwell, but for him to get a nomination for Vice to me is just ridiculous, particularly considering Timothy Chalamet doesn't get a nomination for Beautiful Boy. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Sam Elliott or Richard E. Grant winning for this, but it feels like Mahershala Ali's, uh, it's his to lose at this point. So you're going with Mahershala? That's right. Yeah, uh, I'm going with Mahershala as well. Uh, My notes on Sam Rockwell, (laughs) which I think is kind of funny, is I feel like Adam McKay was like, hey, man, you want to do you want to do uh, George W. Bush? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I could probably pick something out. You want me to be like, a, you know, a very uh, valiant, good. He's like, no, 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 just be hilarious the entire time. And, I mean, it comes off. I agree with you. I don't think it's that great. But I was laughing, like, nonstop. Like, it was really weird. It was a weird performance. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's fine. I don't dislike Vice. I don't dislike anything about the movie. Just for this to be considered one of the five best of the year to me is just come on. That's yeah. I'll uh, also throw in. I mean, I'll follow up with the second because it does sound kind of brash. But Adam Driver as well, and um, Sam Elliott. Like the Sam Elliott nomination really bothers me. Because of the fact that there are 30 other movies out there that Sam Elliott deserves a nomination for. And yet they do this thing where the Academy knows they mess up and they bring someone in. I mean, people are raving about his performance in A Star, in a Star is Born. He has like seven and a half, not even seven and a half minutes of screen time. Not even. So, I mean, it's just like a weird... It, I, I feel bad. There's a lot of other movies out there that he deserves it for. And Adam Driver is just kind of like a, a meh for me. Yeah. And there's just a lot of people, like you said, Timothy Chalamet was left off the list. Um, and I can't sp- speak to Richard E. Grant, so I'm not, you know, I'm not going to. Uh, but yeah, Mahershala, I think. And that's, that's who I'm picking. But this category's weird. Yeah, I, I kind of... I'm with you, actually, completely with what you're saying. Um, picking up on Adam Driver, I really like Adam Driver. Kind of like Sam Rockwell as an actor who flies under the radar a little bit. Um, but, it, you know, for all the attention he does get for Star Wars, he's actually a really good actor. Um, in a film like Patterson or something, you know, he was never going to get a Best Actor nomination for that. But... Uh, I don't know. I, I think at some point, if he continues down this uh, like career path, he's going to get an Oscar at some point. It just Black Klansman is not the role, and I'm not even sure no. he should have been nominated for it. Yeah, I feel like I actually feel like his the story of his character is so much more compelling than his performance. I think that's that's just the problem is it overshadows, you know, what he did on screen. So yeah. yeah. One thing I want to note here before we get into our, our best actor and best actress, um, this isn't something that really got much attention, but I, I wish it would have gone a little bit more uh, just so that this actor's name could have gone out there. Brian Tyree Henry. 
I don't know if you know the actor by name or not, but yes. in Beale Street, holy yes. crap, that one scene is so good. It uh, blew me away. Yes, Ryan Tyree Henry is, um, he's an actor who I can't trace back his roots uh, very far, but he was in the original uh, Broadway show of uh, The Book of Mormon, okay? And um, he's gone on now to, uh, he's in Atlanta full-time? Is that is that the yeah. show that, that, that's the show he's in full-time now, which I, I just watched the uh, um, Teddy Perkins episode of that tonight, which was hilarious and crazy. Um, but that dude... Uh, he is going places as long as he picks, as long as he keeps on picking these really great roles and stuff. He's fantastic, super talented, and um, again, add him to the Timothy Chalamets of the world right now. Not on this list for some weird reason. Yeah, he was really good. Watching Beale Street, you get your price of admission just for that one scene yes. alone. It was so mm-hmm. good. It it reminded me of the. Um, I finally went back after, was it last year? Uh, it was the Timothy Chalamet and, um, uh, what's that guy's name? Movie. Army Hammer? Yeah, Army Hammer movie. Call Me By Your I, Name. Yes. I went back and rewatched that scene with, um, uh, forgive me, I don't know the actor's name for that. Michael Stuhlbarg? Yeah, just a fantastic, just, a, a, that was... Uh, that uh, Tyree Henry scene was was this year's um, scene from last year. You know, yep. I mean, just like incredible. Yeah, I I'm glad you made that parallel. I completely agree that that speech at the end is ridiculous, and the whole scene in their apartment talking about everything but prison and stuff is yeah things that will stick with you for a while um let's do this i i think i have a pretty good idea of how this is going to go uh actress in a leading role we've got again apologies for the pronunciation yelitsa apariccio from roma olivia coleman from the favorite melissa mccarthy can you ever forgive me glenn close in the wife and lady gaga star is born so i gotta be honest haven't seen the wife but everyone's saying that it's going to be this, so I'm going to trust that, and I'll take Glenn Close. Yeah, I mean, how do you not pick Glenn Close? I'm picking her as well. I kind of wish... Um, I really like Yelizia Epricchio. Ep- I, I can't... I'm terrible with, like, the, you know, uh, south-of-the-border accents here. I didn't take Spanish growing up. Um, but I really thought for a first-time nominee, she was really good. She was really good, and I, I, I'd like to see it, but it's not going to happen. Um, the press is just too big for Glenn Close. I mean, and she's just so talented and, and ridiculous, but, you know. Yes. Well, she didn't get it for 101 Dalmatians, so she's finally <laughs> getting it now. Yeah, exactly. they they gotta, they got to make up for lost time. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. All right, so we're down to two categories, and they're both – Pretty interesting, if you ask me. Um, Agreed. So let's do actor in a leading role. We're getting into the nitty-gritty now. Uh, we've got Christian Bale in Vice, Willem Dafoe in Ad Eternity's Gate. He's been nominated for Oscars before. This is his first best actor. Uh, Viggo Mortensen in Green Book, 
Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born, and then Rami as it Malik, Rami Malik, yeah, Rami Malik, yeah, uh, in Bohemian Rhapsody. Seems like a two-man race between Christian Bale and uh, Rami Rami Malik, excuse me, in Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm going back and forth because Bohemian Rhapsody to me, the movie itself, didn't love it. Was the actor amazing in his portrayal of Freddie Mercury? Did he nail it? Absolutely. There's nothing he could have done better with that role. On the other hand, I don't love Christian Bale as a person. And Vice was, as much as I was like, yeah, this is entertaining. I was just like, overall, eh, whatever. I thought, not only, you know, it's one thing to put on the weight and wear the makeup and all that stuff. His actual facial ticks and expressions all that stuff fantastic um and not easy to imitate uh dick cheney nor kind of just like the power the anger all that stuff going on that you can't convey through words because he's such a never really changes his tone of voice type of guy so if i'm trusting my gut and i think i have to at this point I'm going to go with Rami Malek, but I, I kind of want to see Christian Bale win this because I, I really think he was amazing. Yeah, um, I'm picking Christian Bale for this, definitely. Um, I have Willem Dafoe as the dark horse, and pretty much every prediction I've read is this is the Rami Malek runaway, which... I'm glad you liked it, but it just, that movie, like you said, the, the production itself, you know, isn't all there, and it's just kind of like this cliche band flick, you know? Yeah. And that just left such a sour taste in my mouth. It was really, really hard for me to like, to like Rami's performance, and... I guess I've been, like, very critical of him as, like, an actor for, like, the longest time because the fact that I just feel like I don't even know what it is because his, his, what he chooses is so varied, but I just want him to do something else. And, you know, that's, I don't know. It's, it, I'm super conflicted with him because I'm, like, his biggest fan yet his, like, biggest critic. And to see the predictions be like, oh, yeah, there's, like, a 93% chance that Rami Malek's going to win. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? But a lot of people are compelled, and I'm glad people enjoyed it. I just, I, I don't know. And it, it has nothing to do with Brian Singer. Brian Singer is dead to me, so I'm not even, I'm not even worried about that. But, you know. Well, there's another podcast we could spend an hour talking about, but. Um, Seriously. Yeah, I, I. I, I echo everything you said, and I want to see Christian Bale win this. I just, if I'm just trying to get as many right as possible at this point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say yeah. Rami Malek. Okay, we have arrived approximately 78 minutes into the Beantown podcast to our final category here, and one that is about as wide open as any of these categories we've talked about tonight, which is not typically the case. I've sort of got my divisions, my tiers in my head, uh, so I'm interested to hear what you have to say. We'll discuss a little bit, then we'll make our final picks, and then we'll sign off so we can go to bed. Um, Best picture, we have 
seven nominees, which I believe we've had eight in the past couple of years, so this is a little bit different. We have Black Panther. We have Black Klansman. We have Bohemian Rhapsody. We have The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. So I'll talk through it a little bit. We'll let Ryan talk through it a little bit. Then I do want to just quickly mention any movies that you really wish you would have um, seen nominated for Best Picture this year, and then we'll make our picks. Um, I'm with you. You mentioned earlier there's no way in hell that Black Panther wins. I agree. Like Getting its nomination was more or less the victory that it wanted or that we deserved, however you want to put it. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, in a similar sense, I, I, I've read a few things lately that have said, oh, maybe it's the Dark Horse. I, this movie, if it wins, I'm going to storm out uh, and, and throw something. Um, A Star is Born, I also really don't... Early on, it was kind of like, oh, now Star is Born is going to be the front runner. I don't think it's got a shot, uh, but watch me eat my words. The favorite, I, I thought, was in really good shape um, kind of leading up to it and then when it came out but it really hasn't done much in the last month or two it's just kind of been there and it's a good film but I really don't think it's going to win Uh, and Vice kind of similarly it got all this uh, you know hype leading up to it came out on Christmas and everyone's raving about Christian Bale and all that stuff but I think as the actual overall body of a film I don't see it really being a contender at the top level here. So that brings me down to three movies, Black Klansman, Green Book, and Roma. Um, Black Klansman and Green Book are really interesting because they deal with somewhat similar topics, just race relations in general, but they deal with them in a completely different way, and they have polar opposite um, takeaways at the end of these films. I, this is just my gut feeling, but I don't feel like either one is a best picture winner. Uh, Black Klansman, there are just enough things wrong with it that I don't quite think it's going to make it. And then Green Book, and I've been seeing some people in the last couple of days saying that Green Book might be the favorite right now, but it's gotten its fair share of negative press and I think warranted negative press that I don't think it's going to make it. So that leaves me with Roma and I'm kind of with what you said earlier in that I didn't quite have my mind made up, still going back through it. I was trying to just talk myself into it. Um, I don't know. That's that's kind of where I'm at right now. Where, where, are you, where are you falling, Ryan? Well, let me start in the latter end down here with uh, with Vice. I love Adam McKay's movies, everything from, you know, Anchorman to Vice to, uh, uh, I forgot what that, I always want to call it, uh, it's called like, uh, I always want, is it Moneyball? No, it's not called Moneyball. Are you talking about the big short? Yeah, 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 the big short. There's like five, there's like five movies that are like, exactly like about the same exact thing and uh, I always get them confused um, but Adam McKay will always make movies that I really enjoy and thus being movies that will never win best picture because that's just how it is things that I like don't win best picture that's just that's just typically 
that's just and that's okay. That's what happens when you're a uh, basic white man. Is the shit that you like is just not that special. Um, but a star is born. I'm on board with your thoughts exactly. It really didn't do it for me. I'm glad that Bradley Cooper got you know the press that he did because I think that I do see a lot of talent there. Um, but the movie was just painfully. Uh, I mean, it was relatable, but at the same time, predictable. If that's uh, if that's that's a good observation, I'm not sure. Green Book. Green Book is weird for me, man. Like, I don't know. I don't want to be too brash, but it's like. I think it's like. It's not meaning to be, but it is like some weird, you know, roundabout, roundabout racist stuff going on in this movie. Like, there's some, like, weird, like, driving Miss Daisy vibes I get from this movie that are very bizarre and untimely for the current time we live in. And just this bizarre character arc with Viggo Mortensen where he's like this racist dude. And by the end of it, he's just, like, magically not racist anymore. Like, and I, and he got nominated for performance. And, I, and, you know, performance doesn't necessarily mean writing. But the writing is so weird. And I just, I cannot help but think that this is a glaring example of how disconnected the Academy is from, and I'm not, and I'm not saying they got to be super timely or anything like that. But it's just, oh, it's such a weird movie, and I, I don't get it. Um, the favorite, I think, is painfully cliche, uh, but it's also very funny, though. But they're not going to pick it because it is the cliche uh, uh, period piece, you know, even though it is, it does subvert it a bit. You know, it's a very funny movie. Um, Black Panther and Bohemian Rhapsody, I think, are horribly hilarious picks to put in the Academy, and I don't know how they got here. Uh, I mean, well, I understand kind of why Black Panther got there. Bohemian Rhapsody, I wonder who paid who to get nominated, because it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, in Black Klansman, I, I, I really liked, but just don't see, you know, making it as, as, our, as our best boy in the... Uh, Oscar picks this year. I'm going to have to go with Roma, first foreign language film to be nominated for Best Picture, first foreign language film to win an Oscar. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it would also be a nice, uh, timely political punch to have the the movie from South of the Border (laughs) win Best Picture. Oh, yeah, I guess I didn't even think about that. that. That makes sense. That's some good rationale behind it. I did not put those together at all. <laughs> I mean, I could say the, the same thing about Black Klansmen to an extent. So something's going to yeah. be, or Black Panther, something's going to be political at some level um, at some point. But are there any movies, I'm sure there are, but what, what movies that didn't get nominated for Best Picture would you have liked to see in that field this year? You know... Unless you remind me of anything, I actually can't think of a single one that is omitted at all. Um, I guess I could maybe say, like, 
I know it's an I know it's nominated for animated best picture, um, but hey, why don't we throw Spider Man into the Spider Verse into best picture category? I don't think there's any rules against an animated movie making it because I mean, like if you think about it, could an Isle of Dogs be nominated? I don't know if there's any specific rules against that. I mean, throw it in there. It's the best movie I've seen this year, and I think it competes really well with the rest of them. Um, as long as we throw some of these out here, because they're they're not very good, and probably I will go as far as say as this is one of the weakest best picture categories I've ever seen in my lifetime. Yep, I'm with you. Um, I was shocked, and I'm still a little surprised. A month and a half or whatever later, that Beale Street um, isn't nominated for best picture. It seems like everything was there for it. It was completely talked about in that circle uh it was barry jenkins follow-up to moonlight um yeah i i'm really surprised and also a little upset that uh best pick or that beale street wasn't nominated for best picture um also a little surprised that first man um didn't get it i feel like the only reason it wasn't sort of included in this conversation was just because it didn't do as well as at the box office um, but I still thought it was a really good movie, um, and I'm surprised it wasn't nominated um, for Best Picture. Uh, obviously, I would have liked to see, you know, Eighth Grade or First Reformed get nominated um, for Best Picture. I know those were longer shots, but, um, you know, to have somebody like Eighth Grade not get any nominations is rough. Um, so... Yeah, there were uh, there were definitely a couple other best pictures that I would have liked to see. One because you can nominate up to ten, but two, like you said, is Bohemian Rhapsody really uh, one of the best eight movies of the year? No, and it's not close. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Beale Street definitely. I'll have to agree with that. That's uh, I don't know. I I have such an affinity for Moonlight. Like I really love that movie. And Beale Street, I was seeing the trailer, I was kind of perplexed. I was like, I really hope this guy is not, you know, this is not going to be some huge, you know, sophomore slump, you know. Um, and it turned out to be great. It was a great movie. So uh, it's, it's not here. And the unfortunate thing, like you said, the, there can be up to 10, and it's not here. And also on top of that, there's some in here that don't deserve it. So. It's kind of disheartening a little bit. This year, uh, I will say, because, and there's all been all sorts of Oscar controversies this year. This year has been a mess yep. for the Oscars. And I don't know, like, I don't know what they're going to do next year. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm just saying, like, there's definitely change, change needs to happen hardcore. Yeah, this year is rough. It's uh, disheartening. Well, the good news is. They've got a host if they want it. Been working on the Oscars monologue. Myself wrote it, filming it, producing it, editing it. Uh, we're going to be dropping that on Sunday. So that should be pretty good. Uh, Ryan, I want to thank you for giving me 90 minutes of a weeknight here. Do you have any parting thoughts, uh, whether it's about movies or just any projects you've got coming up, anything in general? You know, I actually, I'm, I'm, 
because I'm such a regular on this show, I actually have nothing to plug, and I have no final thoughts at all. Um, I would pu- plug the channel, but, you know, things are kind of in flux currently. You know where to find us. Uh, we're out there, and uh, content might be popping up here soon, but still got a lot of work that stands in between us and that happening. So, yeah, I really like hanging out on the Beantown podcast, my favorite podcast. Um can't wait to do this next year. Hopefully hopefully the field will be much stronger because uh, this year was a little rough. Yep, I hope so too. Well, Ryan, we'll keep you on the line for one second here. Uh, thanks, everyone, for checking out our Oscars special. Uh, don't forget to check out BeantownPodcast.com, newly launched, as well as the Beantown blog. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us, BeantownPodcast.yahoo.com. That's Beantown. B-E-A-N-T-O-N podcast at yahoo.com, and we will get back to you within 48 to 72 business hours. Uh, for all of us here at the Beantown Podcast, for Ryan Ligon of Card Combos Podcast and Reek Entertainment, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Don't forget the Oscars this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll be releasing our Oscars monologue shortly before that, so check out our YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, the website, all that to see that. All right, uh, it has been a lot, and we are going to hit the hay. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we will check in on you next week.